Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. I am Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter, joined as always by my stalwart companion, producer and engineer Brandon. How you doing? Doing well, Tony. Doing well. Sometimes on time, producer, most of the time. Hey, bro, you know what? <laughs> time is meaningless during COVID-19. It really appears that way. I'm, I'm always <laughs> as confused as to what day of the week it is at this point, so. You're me- you're mentioning that because we were meant to record at one time, and what were you maybe still asleep when we were going to record you? Your sleeping patterns, I think, are are unsustainable in the long term, my friend. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with you on that one. <laughs> it's all over the board. Your your uh your primary relationship, she works the overnight shift, and then you've got to record podcasts during the day. Uh, so it's gotta be tricky. It gets weird, but I'm, I'm surviving so far. All right. Well, hang in there, man. Um, they now say that there's six new symptoms that mean you might have, uh, the coronavirus and it includes, um, headaches. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> crap. <laughs> now, every time I have a headache, I'm going to have to rush in and get a swab jammed up my nose into my brain. I'm, <laughs> not looking forward to that <laughs> there's going to be so many symptoms by the end of this oh my gosh and now there's blood clots and like young people are just dying of strokes for no reason it's oh it's just it is really something isn't it it kind of makes you long for the old days of plagues in the middle ages when people thought it was like evil spirits right <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really know <laughs> They didn't really know what it was. You know what I'm excited about, uh, Brandon, is this, I really think this interview is going to bring a lot of people joy. I hope so. It brought me a lot of joy recording it. I mean, this guy, Suge Emery, his real name is Sean Emery. I got to know him as a fanboy of his years ago because he juggles at the state fair in minnesota and the minnesota state fair for non-minnesota listeners is honestly like one of the most awesome events it's one of the hallmark signature uh aspects of being a minnesotan is going to the great minnesota get together and my family like so many families we have a very uh i'm i'm like a drill sergeant Okay, when we do the state fair, we do it the same way every single year. We get there early, like 738 before the crowds come in and when you can still find parking. And we walk a very certain pattern and we buy, I always buy the same three foods for everyone in the family. I will buy everybody in the family a Pronto Pup. Well, we start with Tom Thumb mini donuts, not Tiny Tim. Those are fakes. Ooh. Tom Thumb. Harsh. Harsh words. Lines oh, dude, I'm, I'm throwing it down here, man. I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the state fair, bro, I am take no prisoners, okay? That's a, that's a good approach. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Tom Thumb mini donuts. All right. We, that's what we get when we arrive. Then you get a Pronto Pup around lunchtime. No corn dogs. We want a prano pup. There's a big difference. We'll talk about that another time. And then before we go, we get a milkshake in the in the dairy building. Those are the three things I pay for. And then I give each kid 20 bucks and then they can buy whatever else they want. And they're always like, okay, if I buy fries and I buy, can I have five? You can have five of my fries if I can have two of your onion rings you know <laughs> so it's, <laughs> the bartering it's, system. it's like a little yeah it's like a little uh lesson in economics microeconomics at the state fair we always stay till the parade at two o'clock and we usually leave after the parade so we leave around between probably three and four brandon every single year we go to the twelve thirty show of sean emery juggling it's a 30-minute show. He he insults the audience constantly. It's at the family stage. There's a sign language interpreter there. He's constantly making fun of the sign language interpreter. This show is so funny. The guy is over the top. 
it, it it's it's incredible. This if the state fair happens in Minnesota this year, it'll be his 29th straight year at the state fair. He's an incredible performer. What's interesting about this guy Sean Emery is he has an alter ego on YouTube named Suge Emery, and I believe that's how you first came in contact with him. That's exactly how I'm familiar. I've watched many of his outdoor excursions, winter camping trips on YouTube. They're fantastic. So much fun. Yeah, he's got a huge following on YouTube. He does one or two videos a week. He's a he, he he's got a niche kind of brand because he's a hammock camper. So, uh he gives a lot of advice on hammocks, hanging hammocks. He does under and over quilting. He has a very famous um, pot, which he will talk about in our interview. Uh, he is very specific about the kind of Italian coffee that he makes while he's camping. Uh, so it's it, he's such a great guy. And um, the interview, we, t- we touch on all different aspects of his life. Uh, he grew up Catholic in the South. Um, his father died when he was young. Uh, he's a recovering alcoholic. He is a deeply spiritual person who's walked away from the traditional church and, and organized religion, but has these incredible, what he calls moments of regard when he is camping and hiking. Where And you'll see them in his videos because they're just unlike a lot of other videos you'll see on YouTube where he will just train the camera on a flower or on a tree branch or on waves lapping on a shore in the Boundary Waters. Um, it, it's really amazing stuff. And I think people will really experience a, a piece of Suge in this interview. He, he, as you recall, when we, when we, uh, interviewed him, he brought a lot of energy and joy into the recording studio. It was, it was the most energy I've ever been around in a podcast <laughs> recording. And I've done, I've done like, oh, I've done well over a thousand podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. So I, I know because you're a brilliant uh, producer that you capture that energy and, and it'll come through people's earbuds as they listen. Thanks for tuning in to the Reverend Hunter podcast. We really hope that you enjoy the show that we're putting together every other week and that you will subscribe and tell your friends about it, maybe give us a rating and a review. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Juggler, comedian, clown, hammock camper, YouTube star, Suge Emery. There's got to be something that would drive somebody like you at a young age. You're like, nope, college isn't for me. I'm going to juggle. I'm going to be a clown. I'm going to Barnum Bailey Clown School. Like, uh, well, I did college. Yeah, but you wanted to. I remember the but first it, time we talked, you were like, "It eh. felt weird." You, you know, my you dad said you had went just home. Got, you know, yeah, my you dad went home to your mom, and you're like, "I don't think this is for." Well, me. it like, was just kind of going there, going, "Hmm, I'm." You know, the first year was a Catholic university. It's a, it's a weird thing to speak of church, like yeah. So you grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic, and we were like the only Catholics in our neighborhood because you grew up in now, a, Charlotte, North Carolina. Baptist, Baptist, Baptist land. It was it was Baptist. <laughs> it was uh, Church of it Christ. Was Meth- Methodist. Methodist. It was Presbyterian. Sure, sure. It was Baptist. You know, uh, partially assembled, full assembly <laughs> Baptist. All the different yeah. congregation of, of Baptist and everything but Catholic. So I was Sean. You know, like uh, go back to school on on Monday and girls would go, "Hey, Sean, great football game. You did a great game." My dad said uh, Friday night, but. It, it, too bad you're going to hell. <laughs> All right, have a great day. I go, what? And I was going to hell because I was Catholic, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. I'd hear this enough that finally I I asked one girl, I walked, I was really shy, you know, pretty shy, but I made up with it through just bravado and sure. football gave me a lot of confidence. But I said, why am I going to hell? Because y'all pray to Mary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, I walked away going, and me, I've always been kind of a guy like... I'm going to get by as easily as I can. Yeah. I'll put just enough work in to get by. Now, at this age in life, I make up for it. I put a lot of work yes, in. But you when do. I was young, I would go, I'm just going to do enough. Sure. I'll take a B or a high C <laughs> rather than really spending all that time on an A. What's that going to get me? I just yeah. want to get yeah. by and get through, you know? And I had to think about the Mary thing and was going, what does she mean by that? Maybe so, you know, I. 
and as a Catholic, I don't know if you know Catholics, but like when we go to a confession, you know, the priest go in and I would usually lie because my mom would spring, you know, like we're driving to mass on Sunday and she turned around going, you're going to confession today. So think your lies. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> so I'd have to make up lies to sort of fill my yeah, agenda. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd always start with, you know, uh, yeah, father, uh, bless me for I have sinned. And it's been about uh, 13 weeks since my last confession. These are my sins. Well, okay. So I was, you know, disobedient to my parents. I said a few uh, swear words and uh, then I'd make up a few doozies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just and, to get, just to get his reaction. No, just because I had to go, ugh, I know fill a lot the time, of love, but I got nothing to fill the time. In fact, it would, I would be so good sometimes as I leave, I'd see the priest open the little door and peep at me going, golly. And I'd leave and you'd have like 13 Hail Marys, five Our Fathers, 10 yeah. Act of Contritions. So you could say the Hail Mary like, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, you just would say it so fast that it wasn't even a prayer. Yeah. So, so by that girl yeah, saying that. I mean, like, and let's be honest about that girl. She was saying that to you because that's what her pastor told her. She didn't really, she didn't like done some theological research on praying to Mary. I'm pretty sure her dad or her pastor, she learned said, it from church. Catholics are going to hell. We were the Catholics, but the funny yeah. thing is in our neighborhood, here's a, here was our neighborhood. So we had a Harris Teeter up there that sold beer. It's a grocery store. Okay. Nobody in the neighborhood would buy their beer there. Like everybody drank oh, with left out of, outside of the county. You didn't want anybody from the neighborhood to see you. Yeah. So, but they would come to our Catholic household. It was the days when everybody brought their little case with your two liquor bottles and they would all drink at my parents' house. We were the Catholic family. Drinking was open there. Yeah. So people see each other and go, I know you did. Because <laughs> I grew up in a neighborhood where you see men, like at the 4th of July, the trunk of their car would pop up. You'd see some glances around and two men go down low and come back up going, <laughs> So everybody drank and did yeah, everything, yeah. but they hid it from each other. Yeah, right. In general, the, at least the people that my parents hung out with. So this, by this girl saying this, I broke that prayer down. I said, well, what is the Hail Mary again? So I said it clearly and uh -huh. plainly to yeah. myself. And I started thinking, huh, I don't think it really is. Not like we're praying to Mary. We're tossing one her way. And hoping she'll deliver it on up. Well, she's on the board. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're going, right. I think she sees Jesus God and who the yeah. Holy Spirit, who I call Boo Radley. I think she runs into them. She's in the neighborhood. So yeah. when I'm saying my quick prayers at night, I'm throwing one her way. So what I did is I went to Miss Teague, our Bible teacher in our uh -huh. school. My mom wouldn't let me take Bible because it wasn't our Catholic Bible. Oh, right. And my whole thing was going, yeah, but mom, but I what else am I going to do? You know, I yeah. mean, I'm the only Catholic kid. I, you know, I just want to be in class with the girls. So I went down and talked to Miss Teague and I said, Hey, Miss Teague, I'm Sean going to hell, Emory. And uh, I wanted to come, if I could talk to your classes about this prayer, the Hail Mary we do. And it was sort of the start of maybe my performing routine. Cause I went to the prayer going, all right. Hey everybody. I'm Sean going to hell, Emory. And you guys, I know a lot of you think we pray to Mary in the Catholic church, but let me lay this down for you. So I go, hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Okay. It's the Immaculate Conception. Now, we could get into a whole sure. discussion about that. And I just went through a half hour breaking this prayer down. Okay, now let's go back. So we covered the that. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I said, you know, it sounds like Shakespeare, but what you're saying is you have somebody special inside of you. We all think our babies are special, but yours is very special. So I kind of went through the whole prayer line by line, uh -huh. backing up, doing a little bit on yeah. it which was all improvised. And at the end, I was going, if you want to get to know somebody, you get to know their mama. You know, you go up to the grocery store. Hey, Miss Witherspoon, could I help you carry that? I'm Sean Emery. Uh, does, does Kim ever ask about me at school? <laughs> she says you're kind of odd. But, you know, you go get to know somebody's mama. So we're yeah. tossing one her way. And I could see heads in the class going, yeah, that sounds, I, I could see that. Yeah. You know. So it was one of the first times in my life that I actually really thought about mm. being Catholic and, and what, these, yeah, what these prayers what you're meant. praying about. That's how slow I am. No, it so you took me that long. You grew up Catholic, and then, but tell me, um, you grew up. What was your experience in the outdoors growing up? Was oh. that a big part of your family growing up? Yeah, yeah, but it really started with. Uh, you know, it was that thing when after school, you get home, you get your couple of chores done, and you meet your friends in the woods. I always grew up places where There's there woods were woods around. around. Yeah. And yeah. there was something about just getting into those woods as a fifth grader. You felt a... You just felt the world drop off your shoulders. You felt school drop off your shoulders and chores. And, you know, because we noticed... 
most kids didn't really play in the woods that much. You know, just building fort, running around the creek, just being in the woods. And me and my buddy, Hickory, who's in a lot of my videos, we grew Mm. up together, Kent Mm -hmm. Hicks, Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Hunt, who was in my scout troop, Andy Jackson. We just felt this sense of safety and peace in the woods. And then as we got a little older in high school, we'd kind of go drink beer in the woods a little bit and stuff, but it was just not to get caught. We weren't really, like... One thing, I was in a good scout troop. We never left our cans or things. Oh, we always okay. took trash out with yeah. us because we had you great leave, scout. Leave no trace. From the sixth grade from, uh, on, yeah, I had yeah. great scout masters. Uh-huh. And even as a, a pre-scout age, my dad would get to know local scout masters, whatever town we lived in, Shelby, North Carolina. And he was looking to get out of the house once in a while. So he'd drag me along. Okay. And I wasn't a scout, and we'd sleep in these lean-tos in the woods, you know, me and some other kid. And, you know, I remember uh, I have this vivid memory, this kid named Filky, and no one wanted to camp with him. So I was like this guest kid. So him and I were in the lean-to together with spiders crawling across us all night. And all my dad was down with the scout masters, and they were probably sipping a little whiskey. But Filky... I realized he might have been the nerd, but he had a can. His parents gave, he had a can of Hershey's chocolate syrup, drinking it straight out of the can. <laughs> and he was passing it over to me. <laughs> I'm going, I like this guy, man, drinking this chocolate straight up. Yeah, y'all go ahead with your M&Ms. <laughs> and, uh, y- you know, just every time there was this, you know, I never felt nervous in the mm. woods. I always felt comfortable at home in some yeah, way. Even or? as a little kid, you know, in those in those days, you know, when it get dark, there was always this mysterious feeling. Yeah, you know, it was like when the Wicked Witch came out on the Wizard of Oz. You know, dusk would come and it get dark, and it heightened the whole everything. To this day, yeah, you can't. I can't wait for evening to come because that's when everything gets a little bit heightened. I get to crawl in that hammock and sleep soon. I get to have my dinner. This is winding up the day. I didn't die. Now I just got to get through the night, wake up, and do it again. You know, it's like a great thing. Yeah. So those were my outdoor experiences. And I had a really interesting one when we lived in Charlotte. Uh, I was probably in the eighth grade one time with my dad on a Sunday. Sometimes he'd disappear on a Sunday for a few hours. And, you know, didn't invite me. But one time he said, he called me Duga, Duga. Come on. Got in the car. We drove down to this road, and we took off walking into the woods. And we walked and walked, and he'd show me stuff like, hey, son, this is a locust, you know, and pull it open and show me those sticky seeds. But he found a—he walked me to a a bamboo thicket back there, and we cut all this bamboo, and we would make people Christmas gifts. We'd make wind chimes and little things you could put on your desk to put your pencils in, and he'd cut them sideways, and you could lay your pencils in. He said, son, some people like the pencils laying sideways. Not everybody (laughs) likes them sticking up because your hand hits them. This is your low— your low pen, it could be your cuff length. So we would make these little, yeah, just kind of yeah. cut them up. And, and it wasn't again till I was sitting one time watching TV thinking, wait a minute, how did my dad know where this was? And I was going, he goes for walks in the woods to get away from us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like his little Sunday. Deal. He needed a little peace himself. You know, yeah, the, the poor yeah. man never got any time to himself because even when my mom, my dad was not Catholic. My mom was from Ireland. And, you know, my mom was that Irish Catholic strict. When we passed a Catholic church, you had to Cross bless yourself. yourself yeah, in the car. Yeah, yeah. You had to make, look, mom. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and also, you can, you know, when you're a good Catholic, you can bless yourself. You could do, say your Hail Marys quick. You can bless yourself quickly. You get it all down fast. So your and, dad wasn't going to mass with you on Sunday? No, because... This was his only hour and a half at home alone ever. And we'd come home from mass and we'd pull up in the driveway and I could hear it. You know, we had the big stereo like your parents had, the big long cabinet. And it'd be the Marine Corps band. Every, my dad was Navy, but he had the Marine Corps band. Boots Randolph, Yakety Sacks, and all these Irish singers. And we'd hear this music, full blast. And we'd come in the house, and my dad would be standing there with his coffee and his robe, and he'd look at us always as we came in the front door. It was always a look. The first nanosecond was disappointment that we were home, and it'd be like, oh, hey, 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 let me turn that down. And Funny. his hour and a half was over. And I never thought about it. And, but as a dad, you go, that was all he got. Yeah. yeah. In ever. some way, spiritual. In some way, a, a spiritual. That was time his spiritual to, yeah. to yes. have us gone. Right, right. You know? Now, um, 
you did did you did prac the practice of faith fade as you were in college and heading off to clown school because that you and I have talked about this before but I I'd love to hear you. that was a crazy time of your life I mean you well it was that you know like all of us you're you know it's like going I got to do something yeah you know my dad died when I was a senior in high school and you know it's just you're in college and I'm going you know I'm studying commercial art but I'm going. I don't know if this is, I could do this. I don't know if this is really what I want to do. So that's just when I started my search. Like what, I don't want to be one of these guys that just works because I have to. I mean, I get that, but I, I want something I'm a little bit excited about. And, you know, of course the circus dream, nobody was behind that. In my quest, nobody it. was like, "Good choice, son." That's a yeah, circus clown. There like you a, go. It's like a, it's like a punchline of a joke. It is when no. people are like, "Oh yeah, I'm everybody tried going to, talk to clown me out school." Of it. I'm going to clown school, but no, my faith. You know, you know even at, at growing up Catholic, I, w- I never wanted to tell my mom this, and I think I kind of hinted at it once, going, "I just don't feel it, mom." I mean, we got a great show. There's, you know, the priests and the yeah. robes, and we got stained glass and candles and lights and the big masses. There's all the organ music. I said, it's a little bit like a Doors concert. I wish we could break it up. But, you know, it's like hearing, you know, Ray Manzarek all yeah. day long. Come right. on! Right. With the organ. Uh, and I just see her face drop when I'd say that. But here's an interesting thing with the outdoors. Because uh, by the time I was in junior high and high school, we lived 15 minutes from Belmont Abbey Cathedral. And Belmont Abbey's a college down south in a little town of Belmont, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I've out spoken, on the west side. I've, I've spoken it's a there. Yeah. up and coming little town now. Yeah. Belmont Abbey was a very popular college for students from Florida and New Jersey and New York State. Not local, because there wasn't very many of us. So my mom, because we always went to mass there, you know, that's where she wanted me to go to college after okay. my dad died. But so, because we always went to mass there, um, there was this one Sunday where the, the students were having the graduation inside the cathedral. So our mass was relegated outside to the grotto. Hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know this grotto existed. It was like this rock wall and we're down outside and i'll tell you it was a palm sunday Hmm. and i felt it was the first time in my life that i felt god because to me it felt like all the filters were gone you know all the big beams and all the hoopla i mean really that i remember driving home outdoors you were outdoors i was outdoors and i felt it yeah and i remember kind of saying that mom I don't know why we don't have mass there every Sunday because just this unfiltered, nothing in the way between, you know, I, I, we always look up to say the heavens are up there, but just, I remember that feeling mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. vividly of going, I, I know something exists. I'm bored with it most of the time, you know, and it's like when I would go talk to priests as I got a little older, my mom would set me up with the priest. Oh, you're going in to see Father Bliss today. Why? What have I done? Nothing. And I go in and hello, Father Bless Sean, and he'd have the same look like Why you your mother said. Well, I don't know what we're talking about. And I would yeah. start it usually because he didn't know what to say. I go, okay, I know we're going to talk about faith, and I have some questions that you're not going to like, and don't give me yet this answer. You just have to have faith, Sean, because that's not going to cut it. I've heard that on every movie. I said, yeah. so here's the thing. I see God, and I was really at that time, I was going, is God and Jesus the same people? I'm confused about that. And the Holy Spirit, and I said- Yes and no. (laughs) Yes. But I said, what about, are we supposed to just like not pretend Buddha exists or Shiva or Haile Selassie or all these people that have these other deities that they look to? Are they all the same people? Is it a panel? And people get, you you get North America, you get white people. You know, it's just kind of, it was weird to me. And I said, can you answer that for me? And he was like, you have to have, you know, he was kind of funny. You just have to have faith, Sean. I go, that was a good one, Father. That was good. That was good. I'm going to joke. I'm going to jump over there and choke you by that little collar. So we would just sort of have a loose theological discussion. And I'd leave kind of going, I think I opened his mind, but I didn't really have an answer. Yeah. But we had to do something. You know, to me, or here's how I felt. My mom would do the same thing. With my principals at school, I'd get called to the office and be the principal. And I had a principal named Freddie Leger. And he talked, like, if you were me, I'd come in. He's one of those guys that talked to you out of the side of his face. Well, Mr. Emery, 
I go, well, are we here to talk about my underachieving? Yes, your mother called. And I said, look, I have a plan. Don't worry about me. I have a plan with yeah. my underachieving. I'd rather be kind of half-assed at 10 things than really good at one thing because my circle of friends will be wider. Yeah. You know, I said, trust me on this. And, uh, you know, and once in a while, I go, well, your math grades. I said, could I say this? Maybe it's the teacher and not me, and he'd do this. We're n- we can't have that discussion. <laughs> so between the priest and the principal, so I kind of looked at the time. I go, my dad one time told me, he said, son, you want your principal to know you. You don't want to be up in his office every day of the week for trouble. But if you never get called in or never play sports and make some kind of a, they won't know who you are. You fall in the middle. You're not causing problems, but they have no idea who you are. So you want to get noticed by your principal but for the right thing. Yeah. So you want to have this two or three time in there a year thing. You know, you skip, you got caught going to the Waffle House, you get called in because yeah. you're a good student, he's going to make you feel a little bad. And I kind of felt that way with God going, that's how I feel about God. Because to this day, even when I'm out in the woods, I go, God, this, this is great work. But listen, take care of the people today that really need you. I'll call you if I need you. I'm fine. You got a lot to do. And you get Jesus on some of it. And I, you know, but, you know, just get it done. But I don't, I don't need you for every step of my day. And, you know, we can have this discussion. Like, I'll let yeah. you know when I need you. But, in, in, in the clowning year, like the early clowning years, yeah. you go to clown school. College. It's college. Clown college. Yeah, college. Clown college. I actually sorry. have a degree. Sorry. Sorry. It's sorry. the proudest thing. I mean, I, I realize no, I have no, that I, degree I, in my, my bad, bedroom. My bad. And you follow a girl to New York After three City, years on the show. Right? Yeah. And you, you're living a very urban existence, and it's a very frenetic existence. When you leave the circus, yeah, you're back in the world after so three, three years, years in the circus, and then living on in, a train and traveling, and then you're busking, and you're. I remember you told me you did cruises. You're doing that was later, you know. But sh- you're, and you're drinking a lot. I was, oh yeah, drinking a lot. You know, drink. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm 32 years now uh, sober. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me, in those years, before we get to the decision to stop drinking, yeah, did you feel, were you connected to God and or the outdoors? Or I was connected. I tell you, this sounds weird. When I was really drunk, I was way more connected to God. Really? Um, Is it because you, uh, I opened inhibitions my... are, are yes. gone? Yeah. Again, the filters were away. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've always been a guy, you know... People think I'm an extrovert because I'm loud, but I'm not. I kind of, I don't like this about myself. kind of hold people out a little bit. You know, it's even with my YouTube site. Like, I, I, I want to know everybody. I want to entertain. I want to give info. And I feel bad about saying this, but I don't necessarily want to hang out with all of them. We can have this relationship like that. You know, it's a, kind of a showbiz relationship. And I had this experience, and I was drunk, and my dad had died, and he was from Enterray, South Carolina, 90 miles from Charlotte. That's for his people. It's a mill village. Okay. And we always went down there for family reunions to my Aunt Wilmer. And that's real nice. My dad's older sister, Aunt Wilmer. She wore a Sunday moo-moo, and we'd have wow. the best biscuits and fried chicken and green beans and banana pudding. And it was wild, but there was no drinking in Aunt Wilmer's house. Now, okay. I grew up thinking that... My cousins down there were getting together every Sunday, having this wonderful time. What I found out years later when I brought my daughter and Meg down there to visit, that one of my cousins, uh, Todd, my cousin Todd, God rest his soul, he killed himself. He's, he's not around anymore, and he had talent. He could, I taught him to eat fire and juggle, and he was good at it, but he, he just had mental illness. Um, he took me around. He pro- he used to prophesy. Uh, cousin Sean, can I pray? And he'd lay his hand in. Uh, uh, dear Lord, pre- Cousin Sean's here. And he'd, I said, no, man, pray on me. I, l- I like it. I like that you touch me and say this prayer that sounds honest to me. I'm not scared of prayer. I I think it's cool if somebody comes up. Kind of, now, I don't always want people witnessing to me, but he would put his hand on my shoulder, and it'd be a three-minute prayer. But he came and got me. He said, Cousin Sean, come around the side of the house. Uh, my uh, here was a funny thing about my cousins. They would always call my dad, who was was Chuck Emery. You know, they called him Uncle Charles. And they never just said, Uncle Charles. They'd always go, you know, your father, my Uncle Charles. They'd always put this <laughs> double thing to it. But he said, my brother, John, 
Yeah, anyway, yeah, I know, yeah, I know he's your brother. Your guy's brother. Guy. Yeah, he won't say something to you. And so I go around the side of the house. Todd's all excited, and John's he's a bit like Carl from Sling Blade. Mm. He's kind of standing there, kind of goes, "You the one?" I'm going, "What? You the you the one?" I'm going, "Could you stop with the mumbly thing?" And 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 cousin Todd, what what he's saying, cousin John, is you're the one. And I'm going, "The one what?" Well, you guys are like the Sphinx. What is this riddle? Like, spit it like out. Like in the Matrix yeah, or just something? Spit it out. He said, he said, you're the one when, when, when your father, <laughs> our uh, uncle, yeah. Charles, would come down here, everybody in Ennery, South Carolina would lay down their feuds and their fights and come to Aunt Wilmer's house because Uncle Charles uh. and his family are coming down from Charlotte. So everybody was on their best behavior. My dad was loved. He was the baby of the family. He was the only one that didn't go in the mill. He left to to um, join the join Navy, the Navy yeah. and see the world. And it's just like even when I go down there, they go, Shaw, man, you've seen the world. I'm going, you could. T- it's a plane flight away or a car drive. But they don't leave there yeah. except yeah. for the 4th of July to go to the beach when mill people are off. Um, so he was saying – I'm the one because when I come down now, everybody lays down these feuds and everybody's welcome to Aunt Wilmer's house no matter what's going on when we're not there. So so that's it. We were going down there after my dad died. It was a Sunday. It was an Easter Sunday. I saw my cousin Ben and cousin Ben's all these ones going, you want to go riding around? In this little town. So we just get in his car and ride around. And I said, yeah, man, you know anywhere I can get a pint of liquor or something? So at the time... It was the black part of town. They had a very derogative name for it down there that starts with an N town. But everybody just said it like it was never said out of hate. It was just said. I said, well, let's go. And so it's Easter Sunday. We get in Ben's car. We drive up there. We pull into the side of town where all the black folks live, and it's like dirt lawns. Everybody is in pastels dressed to the nines. And Easter hats. Easter, Easter hats. Yeah. Everybody is still yeah. dressed up after church. Yeah. We go in, and there's somebody there that boots leg half, half pints of whiskey, right, or gin or whatever you wanted. So I go in there, lay my money down. I say, give me two half pints. And I'm standing there in this house, just me and cousin Ben, only white guys. But everybody knows Ben because his father, my, um, my uncle Harold, who was known as Beauty Kellett because he's a beautiful man. Beauty was a big man down at the mill. He was a top. Top mill guy. So he had a lot, Ben got a lot of respect because of that, because he was Beauty Kellett's son. And and I'm just the weird cousin from Charlotte. So I'm kind of chugging my half pint. And in this place, there's an old man, black man, sitting there playing a, an electric guitar with his, like, as I remember it, it looked like Radio Shack cables twisted into a speaker. Okay. And, I, and Ben's wanting to go. He thinks I just want to get the liquor and ride around in the car. I'm going, no, no, man, you can go. I'm going to stay here. There's something going on. Yeah. And not only did I start singing, but he would sing a line and look at me. And we were singing religion, and it was coming out in the blues form, and it was just happening between me and him. And I was singing like I've never, you know, I sing a lot now. I, was, I didn't like church singing. This was totally different. And, and there was no thought to it. It was happening. It, alcohol was fueling it a little bit. Sure. So after we'd sing a song, here's what happened. See, the whole room, everybody's handing their pints to me. They're half pints. And I'm, you're, they're saying, good job. We're taking swigs out of everybody. Hey, that, thanks, thanks. And sang all day till my family had to kind of come. Ben kept coming to get me to go. And I said, I'm not going. Whatever's happening here, this is where I want to be. I'm getting drunk, but I'm feeling something beyond that. And it was always this weird mixture between alcohol and God for me. And, well, Ben, who always was kind of a manager of a band, he went and got one of his buddies who's a drummer, and this guy shows up with a snare drum, and this is a guy that didn't really like black people, but he came to this. Ben got him to set up the drum. Now we got a guy playing the brushes and the snare, and you could see that this guy's lighting up, feeling something different. And this went on all day. Now, it ended in tragedy when the family had to drive me home, and I come home to Aunt Wilmer's place drunk. Where there's no drinking, and you were drunk. Well, I was drunk, but I was supposed to drive our family back. My mom and my mom had to drive. So I was a little bit I, I was a little bit of the—it uh, was, it was shameful. 
I, you know, Sean, you've made us all ashamed. But to me, I had the best Sunday ever. I was willing to eat the shame. Yeah, I felt yeah. something. Now, that said, when I quit drinking, I always here's which the, was when thirty two years ago. No, thirty two years ago, I got fired off a cruise ship. I now I say this with with shame and a little bit of pride, probably a little more pride. But I single handedly destroyed Christmas on a cruise ship. Apparently, uh, that takes talent. Uh, <laughs> How do they fire you on a cruise ship because you're out at sea? You get a note under your door, and I had to be on that ship for three more days fired. You just, like, stay in your room and Oh, no, me and Meg had to go to dinner, and we're walking down the corridors, and people are walking by me going, hey, wild man, and the look on Meg's face. I tell people, I go, one reason I quit drinking is I could not take that look from my wife, that disappointed look. I was tired of making people cry. I always took it too far, but... In reality, I go, here's what I feel like happened. Because this day, like, I don't have the urge. It was, the, the urge for alcohol was struck from me. Like, I don't, I never drank out of anger. I felt like God just went, Jesus, I was going to let you do this step aside. And he just cold cocked me. Bam! He gave me a hard overhand left right across the face that knocked it right out of me. Because getting hmm. fired and spending those days shamed me truly. Yeah. I, be, I believe there's a place for shame in your personal quest. Hmm. And I went to New York, went to an AA meeting right away so I could say it. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Okay. I, I never got into the AA tenant that much, but I needed to go just sort of confess it to, to people, yeah. you know. So the 12 steps hasn't been a big part of your journey? Not really, because okay. again, you know, I'm kind of an underachiever. Like, you know, I'm a guy that takes two steps at a time. So yeah. I'd step over step two to go to step three, and, yeah. you know, in a rush. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't that. And what happened being a clown, when I would be in meetings, I'd hear these, you know, it's, I don't know if you've ever been to an AA yeah. meeting, but you hear somber hearts. Oh, yeah. There'd be yeah, times really where I'm hard. sitting there going, maybe I wasn't that bad. That woman's horrible. Maybe I could go out and drink for another half. <laughs> right. But usually I was the clown. Yeah. After all these sad stories, I would tell my story with humor. Now, in the long run, thinking about this, and I was talking to Meg about it this morning, I said, I may not have served myself personally there, but my job has always felt as a clown. I need to help the people here, and if they can get a laugh, or I can go over to that 17, 18-year-old kid who's in an AA meeting already and go, look, man, it ain't over for you. I saw you drive your dad's uh, Camaro up here. Drive that thing home 95 miles an hour. You don't have to puss around. Because when you get a ticket, you ain't going to be drunk. You can just go, yeah, I know exactly how fast I was going, and I could have been doing 120. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be this perfect model citizen. You know, it's just that when you are a jerk or something, you have to own up to it. But you you just won't be drunk when you get that ticket. So you'll just get a ticket. You know, you won't get a DUI. So the thrilling, you know, it's just like, go, go throw your basketball up against the side of a house. People go, you know what you're doing? So, yeah, I sure do, because I'm sober. <laughs> I just felt like pissing you off. It's like that part of you is not over if you don't want it to be. Yeah, But yeah. you don't have to, because, you know, I felt the same way. Like your life has to click around 180 degrees and suddenly you have to. Because because some people, they get obviously drunk. They, it's called liquid courage or whatever to do the kind of things you do, which is be the life of a party or get up on stage and swallow fire or whatever. And that's obviously just part of who you are and part of your DNA. Well, I never drank out of anger. And I might have in the beginning found when I was a teenager that drinking brought me out a little bit. But I have people all the time come up to me at parties now and go, get you a drink. I'm going, nah, I'm good. I'm on coffee. Oh, I thought you were drunk. No, that's just me be me. Yeah. Uh, I go work the room, and it's part of my uh, uh, spirited introvert um, defense. Like when I took a year of psychotherapy probably 15 years ago. I was talking to this guy. I wasn't to go get pills or anything. It was just to go find out. I'm going, am I crazy or is it everybody else? I'm tired of people telling me I'm crazy. And I sort of went in there with a dissertation. And when I was done, he went, hmm, I've really never had anybody do that. I said, I know. I thought it was like the movies where they just sit there and you have yeah. to ask questions that they don't answer. So I thought I'd just fill you in. And he went, half of that was bits, wasn't it? And I said, Yeah. We can work together. It's all based in truth, but there's yeah. bits all the way through it. Because he said, because you said you came in because you're angry, but you went out, you went down one day and you threw the recyclables because you were so just pent up, but you didn't throw the glass. I said, yeah, I knew the glass would be too much of a mess to clean up, but the plastic and cans would be beautiful. And it's that thing of uh, the throw, ah, uh, release. I feel yeah. so good. And yeah. he, before it's even hit the ground, you're going, 
what a baby stupid. And then by the time it hits the ground, I'm running Picking down up, there to yeah. clean it up right, and put it right. away and tell the neighbors, well, a little explosion. What, what about the glass? I don't know. It was heavy enough to... So he said, you have a very controlled... You know what the outcome. You think the outcome out. And I said, is that good or bad? He said, well... If you're a serial killer, maybe he just got, he said it's neither really. But yeah, you think yeah. how far you can go, and so it was interesting as time went by when people talked to me, the spirited introvert. So meeting you guys, if we're at a party, I go up, hey man, hey Brent, hey that's that's a great shirt, cool. I got one kind of like that, bigger black checks. Just go talk to people, tell some lies, yeah. work the room. Then the host thinks, or the hostess, both of them think I was working the part. Oh man, you were in there for two hours cutting up. No, it really is 15, 20 minutes. If I see that really shy person against the wall, I go ease up sort of by them. I'm going to come a little bit closer to you now and just ask them who they know, why they're there and just work the room. And then I'm off in the backyard or in the kitchen with one or two other people like most people are. And then if I have to go make another round, but I make sure to go talk to everybody. I tell Meg, let's separate, work the room, just, you know, chit chat. And so people always think I'm there yeah. and it's a spirit, it was my, it's my spirited introvert way of hit hard, bam, 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 bam. And then <gasps> yeah, yeah, duck yeah. out, you know. Now the outdoors, th- this camping, this hammock camping that you've become known for, it's, it's, um, y- you know, as you and I talked about it the first time we ever talked was there, it's a spiritual deal for you. It is, you yeah. have moments where you stop, you just stop, and you're a driven person. I regard, um, yeah, yeah, moments of regard. As I call them, tell me yeah. about those. Well, it's this quest that I've had. I, I joke with people a lot, like, uh, the, and it's been a true quest of mine. The last three years was to, uh, I see these people that I know, and they're very, they're very zen. And I don't mean they like over yoga or anything. They're just very zen about life. You know, very. Comfortable with who they are, yeah, comfortable very, in their surroundings. They breathe and they do. They just take their time and do. Yeah. Some of them get a lot done, but it's just done slowly. Everything's economy. They listen. And I go, I want more Zen. Now I'll go to parties and try to listen, and it ends up like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. just <laughs> going, okay, I got to talk to fill the boredom here. You know, it's just like, it is hard for me, but I'm trying it more. But I can listen if it's a good conversation, like, like most people. Um, but just to try, you know, I think I have three or 4% Zen now. <laughs> it's taken me three years, but I'm going, Hey, yeah. that's something rather than yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I, it's easier to get in the woods of, in, in the woods of just being, you know, it's like why fishermen fish, you know, they yeah. always say not always about catching. It's about being out there, whatever your activity is to get out. Hunters spend a lot of time not shooting. That's right. You know, you're just you're there, you know? Yeah. And backpacking's the same way. And I'm, I find this, um, in the spiritual sense of getting in touch with yourself, and uh, I, j- I just did a video on solo backpacking talking about, you kind of have to face your fears. You got to do a little self-analysis. You have to have meetings with yourself, particularly when you go out solo. It's just you with yourself. So yeah. you really, you know, have a lot of that that time to go, do I drive myself crazy? Yeah. No, I like the time with myself because I can actually come here and, Breathe, and when I say unclench, it usually means my buttocks. You know, I walk around. My mother said that to me one time. She said, "You know, son, everybody thinks you're you're funny, but I know you're a tight ass." Your mom said that to you. (laughs) I mean, you talk to any clown. You know, I I I try to explain to people about circus clowns. Go now. I'm going to generalize this, but of all the clowns I worked with on the road. The clowns are an interesting breed of guy. I'm not talking about your birthday party clown who does it once every two weeks, but you go out and make your living as a clown. Yeah. What you really like doing is a lot of clowns, most of us, and just like drinkers and showbiz people, we, we have a lot of, I will say I have a lot of, uh, it's something I've been working at all my life to um, to get better at, um, mm-hmm. self-doubts, um, bad self-image constantly trying to prove myself to myself and in that quest proving yourself to other people yeah um it's not what my youtube is about at all it's like people go do you do that just to get praise I go, no not really it's just i'm trying to answer people's questions on hammocking but yeah some of it's self-serving but clowns are going to take like i always tell people and they never believe it i go as a circus clown the days you clown the best are the days that you're just kind of mad at yourself hung over feel bad 
have some self-loathing and when you run out there to do your routines and there's an arena full of people, you can take that energy and twist it into this. Mm. You're doing all, taking your falls and riding your unicycles, doing your tricks, taking a slap, doing all this stuff to make, when you look up and see somebody else laughing at these routines you do that are on that day kind of driven through your turmoil, your yeah. pain. I, there's not really one word for it. Um, and then when you step off, you feel a little better. You know, it's like you can take these, and I don't want to say dark, people mistake dark thoughts like, what are you, a murderer? No, just, you know, we as humans always have this, we, we have an inner darkness as much as we have an inner light. You know, I mean, look, there's day and night, the lights are on, the lights are off. You know, we live in a world of light and dark. There's up, there's down, there's left, there's right, you know, there's yes, there's no. And we all have that inside of us. You feel like you're constantly working on balancing those you know, where I'm trying to get mine all my life, where my light is more than my dark. You How know? do you do that? How? I mean, are these moments of regard, like, tell me. The regard me- is like, uh, it really came through filming, you know. So I'm hiking down the trail, and, you know, it's like, I just remember one time walking by, and there's just a piece of birch bark just hanging off a tree, just flapping in the wind. Just, well, no sound. It was just, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye. And went, I should have I filmed that. Should've filmed. And I went, whoa, if you think you should film it, you should stop and film it. So mm-hmm. I do all the okay. time now. Stop, get the camera out. I go film it. By filming it, I'm, I'm going, this is going to be nice. Somebody's going to enjoy this little B-roll. Yeah. You know, that's usually what, I have a lot of people that like my B-roll stuff. I do. I hate yeah. editing me. Just any of us would hate editing yourself. You go, that's a lot of me. Some people like me. Some people don't. I understand. You know, I meet people sometimes. I like your videos. I just don't like you. Uh, like, okay, that's fine. Thanks. Thanks for telling me. But you're nicer in person. It's like I don't know. Weird stuff. All right. Thank you. Uh, here, here's a sugar sticker. I guess you could burn. Uh, <laughs> but those little moments. So you stop and film it, right? Get it at all these angles, and you're enjoying it. And you put the camera away. And what happens is, I've enjoyed this little moment. Really like looking at the colors and textures of a birch tree. But then it's the moment around going, this isn't really a place where people usually would stop unless they got to check their compass or tie their boot. It's not a destination. And just in whatever the woods are doing, it might be totally quiet. I might be hearing some animal. It might just be trees or wind up in the top. Whatever it is, I just regard that moment. might take 20 seconds, might take a minute. Sometimes I end up dropping my pack going, it's a really cool place or it's raining but it's not really hitting you. You can just hear the beginning of the rain dropping in the woods. Yeah. You ever, you know, that feeling it hasn't come through the canopy yet. And taking those moments, the camera has been my portal for that to make me stop. Where in the old days, it's all about another mile, another mile, got to crank on down this trail. So that, that, that has been the benefit, Interesting. really. Interesting that the camera has been... Has led to part that. Part of that. Which is why sometimes I think there may be days that I quit filming but I will always take pictures you, now. Ah, uh, interesting. Because it, yeah. it gives you a reason. It's almost like somebody in your pocket going, stop, dude, you're missing this moment. Or a mushroom, a little bird's nest on the ground, whatever, you know, walking down behind a, you know, a, a little beaver dam and you're on the backside of it and there's just raindrops hitting that yeah. black water, the first little drops. Yeah. And it's just all those concentric circles and you're down behind this beaver dam and going, cool moment, you know. And for me, it took, something like a camera to make me stop to enjoy that. Do you connect those moments to to the divine? Yes. To God? I mean, do you look back to your Catholic upbringing or what, like, and what, how do you frame that I feel these like days? God, I feel like they went up there, you know, all the, all the deities got together and go, now this guy, he's not going to stop on his own. So we got to give him a little thing. We got to give him a little uh, Let's invent camera. a camera. <laughs> yeah, we got to give him a camera. And so this is going to be like his little Christmas talk. You know, like they, here's an interesting thing. On that thing, I felt like the camera was another gift to me to start seeing the woods different, mm. even though I was always out there yeah. and loved it. Now I'm looking at it differently. So I was at a bluegrass festival once. And uh, I don't know if I told you this story. And we're picking a, in bluegrass, pick a lot of gospel music, you know. And there's one called Cry Holy Unto the Lord. Cry holy unto the Lord. Cry holy unto the Lord. Lord, if I could, I surely would stand on that rock, that solid rock, where Moses stood. And we were tearing it up. 
And it was a thunderstorm going on. We're under an easy up and finished the song and it went great. And I was singing the lead and everybody's coming in with that little answer back harmony and where it's got, you know, cry holy unto the Lord. There's people coming going, holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord, cry holy unto the Lord. So they're under your singing and it's just happening naturally without, without any rehearsal. And you're just like going, um, singing a prayer is so much more powerful than just saying a prayer. Playing your mandolin, there's a fiddle, there's a banjo, a bass, a couple of guitars. Man, you know they're all up in heaven going, angel, put the harp down with your little pudgy fingers. I'm sick of that. It's like that. It's like in that commercial, that king watching the jester. Enough with the harp music, you know. <laughs> I want to hear this one. They're really tearing it up, and it's raw, and it's powerful, and I'm going to add a little thunderstorm to it. So when the song ended, and I'll often do this, I'd never even thought about it, was I'd go, that was for you, big shooter. Now, this is down in Missouri, and at this bluegrass festival, it's very... These are these no drinking, no drug, no swearing festivals. And it's pretty, to not get political, I would just say a lot of people, shirts tucked in, there's a lot of American flags, there's a lot of, you You're know. in the middle uh, of a red state. Yes. It's a red state, yeah. But when you go to a bluegrass festival, most of that stuff is washed over by the music. So I was going over to my truck to put something away or we're finished the jam and taking a break and a man who was in the jam followed me over and he's, and I'd already gotten the name Suge down there that came from bluegrass festival. He came over and said, uh, Suge. And I knew where this was going. I could tell he had that look. Uh, you you speak pretty lightly of the Lord. And I said, well, and I'm, I'm faking this answer, but it ended up being the truth. Because again, it was like saying, my dad said, you're going to hell because you're Catholic. And I said, you know, sir, um, you know, when we have kids, if, if you're one of my kids and you're one of my kids, I might have to look at you going, now listen, son, I need you to focus today at school, all right? Quit twisting your hair and playing with your beard. And you, Tony, you just get on and get what you know. You you talk to all your kids yeah, differently. And I said, I said we all have a different discussion with God. We, I said, my discussion with God is kind of funny. He'll look at me and go, "Could you take Jesus fishing and just don't bring up world stuff. Just go fishing with him. You know, don't ask him anything. Just make him laugh." And and I said, so you know, I said you may be one where Dad has to talk to you a little bit more sternly. Fire and brimstone. I figure this is a fire and brimstone guy. He needs that hard talk from the Lord. And I gave him my answer, and he went, "I never thought about it that way." And I was like, "I dodged that because <laughs> I thought this was going to go." <laughs> yeah, but it was a yeah, yeah. It was but an answer honest. I truly yeah. believe. We yeah. we all have a different, which is probably why he believed it because you. It was believed truthful. Because you believed it. Yeah, he brought the answer out of me because, yeah. you know, it was like he we can't all have the same discussion with him. It can't be all fire and brimstone and it can't all be jokey and it can't all be hallelujah. You know, I mean, it can't all be any of one thing. So yeah. we all develop that that speech that we have with him. And, and I mean it when I go every day. I get to look after my girls, but I'll call I'm you good. if I need you. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I know you've yeah. got a lot to do and a lot of people need you all day every day. So... You go ahead. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that honestly. Yeah. 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 So there's one more thing I want to ask you about, and that's joy. I want to ask you about joy because it's interesting to hear you talk about your battles with drinking. You didn't drink because you were angry, Mm -mm. but- I liked a good party. Yeah. You liked a party, (laughs) but your anger of throwing the recycling the one day or whatever, because when, when- those of us who follow you, okay, whether I've I've you know gone for a dozen straight years with my kids to see you at the state fair, right? And it's amazing how you're able to mock Minnesotans mercilessly. Like well, that's a, a big part of your act it, at the at the Minnesota fair is mocking. It's playing the hopefully stoic, paying, it, paying attention to yeah, the audience. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Just, people it's a, love it. Same on YouTube is making people feel they're on that trip with me. Look in that camera yeah, lens. Not, yeah. Don't be looking over at the viewfinder where I'm looking over your shoulder yes. the whole time. I'm looking you in the eye. But I'll tell you that you know, for sure when you're. Uh, but I get it. You're on the when you're on the. Um, stage at the state fair I'm like he maybe is having a shitty day but but in that moment you're having the, it's the best of yourself yeah you know you're forced to bring the best of yourself you have to go do your work but the magic of it is uh if you can have this nice exchange with this audience that's sitting there waiting to see you like what's this going to be about and if you can you know you're just 
you're wrangling tigers. You know, I always tell people, I go, oh, it's not like I'm going out there going, this is going to be fun. It's a street fight every time. Sure. I'm backstage going, okay, I have to go to battle now. And I got to come out of this going. I got to go into battle with Tic Tacs. Right. And at least people, <laughs> you know, I love the people that come up going, I had to usually be a man and he's coming at me with his hand out. And I'll reach out and grab his hand going, you thought this was really going to stink, didn't you? He said, I did. <laughs> you weren't, you didn't stink that bad. I'll take that. And Joy, I think, is I, I recently heard on a podcast and it was a, uh, oh, uh, I can't remember his name, East Indian guy, philosopher. And he's talking about, you know, Americans want to be happy all the time. Nobody can be happy all the time. And that he really hit me going, we we seek happiness. Happiness is like, Oh, the, you get to go to Valley Fair and ride a roller coaster, yeah. or it's fleeting. Happiness are these moments yeah. you yeah. wait for. You know, yeah. you want satisfaction, you want a good life, you want, you know, but you can't have. It's just like darkness and light. You have to have all these things, and I, I think through videos and sometimes when people see you on stage, you they think you're joyful all the time, and it's like no, nobody is. You know, uh, yeah. Well, and this is what I wanted to ask you, you about because joy. Yeah, you, I've seen you on stage, and I'm like, I get that. That might be manufactured today. You might be having a crappy day or whatever. But the there's well, it's real because you're turning it. You're taking your crappy day and, and yeah, sometimes going okay. this. I get to have this half hour of I can't leave. I guess can't leave the stage when I want. I got to do my time, so I got to make it happen. There's just this sort of like it's like the football game. You know, the game is this long. You got to go out there and do your time. Then I can go backstage. Yeah, you know. But there's something about the videos that's even like I watch your videos and I I like when you pour that cup of coffee like that there's that guy loves that cup of coffee there's oh, that's joy. or or you or you climb in that hammock for the night and you're doing your last thing before you click off those the are the, those are true like, joy there's joy like it, it's i you, you don't watch a lot of youtube videos and see a lot of joy you know what i'm seeing you, you saying you like see uh people like hashtag fail and somebody right. falls off a rope so, swing and crashes into the beach before they hit the water. Day, I see a lot three. of videos like that. It's day three, still walking. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yep. I want to just ask you about that. There's, there's I'm trying to show some more. joy in the outdoors you have that I want. Maybe I, I've felt it, but I, I am envious of it. It's having this camera and you get to pick your, I get to choose to show you the parts of me I want. And if out, out on a solo, it's like, I know, okay, uh, all right, it's coffee time or food time. Some people will want to see that because these are probably parts of the trip they like, you know. Oh, it's dinner time. It's time for the candy bar. It's time for this. Or we're going to get some wood. Or, you know, or most, you know, I don't know, filming a trip is maybe 1%, maybe less of what I film. But I've been trying to show because I realize in time that people think it's really hard on YouTube to share yourself from A to Z. You know, it's easier in a podcast. It's easier in a discussion to say, yeah, there's, I don't, like when I'm editing, I'll go, that seems a little, that piece seemed a little manufactured. So it just gets cut out. It was like I was trying too hard. So that's gone. It, I don't believe me there. Like I felt the need to fill some moment and it was just, there's time where, eh, you know, it's like you write an article and you go, ah, I'm mm-hmm. trying to get this done. I, I should not now. That it's not. I'm I'm trying to beat the clock and it doesn't feel real. We all have that, you know. You're trying to. Sometimes you got to step away from your work and go. I got three more days. I can come at this fresh tomorrow. I already have my little that was lousy. So now I'm set. Now I know I have to be for real with this. And you know. One thing I'm trying to show in the videos a little bit, just a little bit more, is when things are hard out there. Or um, some guy sent me an email the other. It's about two weeks ago. Kind of hit me weird. Hey, Sugar, I really enjoy your videos, but you seem like a sad clown. <laughs> and he just like seen the Joker movie, and he I confused know, you, you know, with that or something. But I went. Oh, that's the opposite of what I think. Well, I when think. I, you know, there may be but videos. There's, there's some sadness in every clown, right? There that's is part of the deal. There's sadness in every. Maybe, you know, I was. I wanted to talk on this last video. I cut it out about talking about doing solos. And there's been times when I do a solo and I get to the trailhead and I'm ten minutes into the woods, 
and a little sense of melancholia hits me. And I wrestle with it going, did I jump on this trip too fast? Is there something I should be home doing? But if I just keep walking, it passes. What do I want to be doing stuff for? I got to tap into the old me, you know, who used to let things go. That's part of my Zen is without getting drunk to kind of go grab a little part of this me that used to just like, here's, here it is. Mine and Meg's New Year's resolution was let's just not care as much. Not being apathetic. Yeah, yeah. I have this sense, and when we first started talking, I was looking for the word. I live this life with this sense of urgency that lives in me. This sense of urgency. And it's tiring sometimes. That's why I'm seeking Zen to lighten this sense of urgency. Now, this is a lazy man. I, I deal with this duality of laziness, and people go, no, you seem very ambitious. I go, eh. It's half manufactured. <laughs> I make you think yeah. I'm really ambitious, yeah. but I'm really not. But that's a struggle. My struggle with not being ambitious probably does make me more ambitious than some people. You know, when people are always sometimes jealous of your thing. When you just, you know, you're just obsessed with your camping. I'm going, no, no, no. Obsession makes people cry. I'm highly passionate. That's the way I like to frame it. Or, you know, because it's true. Obsession is not a good word. No. But if right. you're highly passionate, people are jealous of your passion. Yeah. It's like, you could have passion too. That's why I don't knock. You're not the, apathetic. Because a lot of people are. They struggle. People struggle with not just melancholy, but pure apathy. Yeah. You and know, I've, just, you know, even like with gamers, I used to think gaming was a waste. And I met a bunch of gamers and that's their thing. Yeah. They're really good at it. So I go, well, that's your passion. You spend yeah. eight yeah. hours with your headset on playing something. To The, the old me would have said, yeah, you could have been uh, messing with your gear in the studio. And what, is that any better than that? It's not. You know, this is the old guy kind of trying to keep his mind open a little bit and go, I, you know, we had mumbly peg flipping a knife. Uh, that's your mumbly peg, I guess. So I'll never discount somebody's passion. It's kind of, you know, so I think people uh, are jealous of passion, but. Oh, yeah. Well, you bring a lot of people joy. And, and I have, I'm you know, I have some haters it. that really, I have, well, I have 10 people that thumb me down immediately <laughs> every time. Here's what I like to think though. People go, somebody will put that comment. Who are these people? I'll go, I bring them joy because they dislike me so much <laughs> that they wait. There's some of my first people like, yeah. to thumb me down. They like get an alert on their computer that you have a new thumb video. Me down. <laughs> and I go, in a strange sense, uh, they get a lot of joy out of me. Yeah. That's how I have to look at no, it. No, I know. I've had it. There's a few of my, a couple of my books, you know, there's like reviews on Amazon. Like, I didn't read this book, but I did see this guy talk one time and it was a terrible sermon. So his book couldn't possibly And you have a lot of books. I looked at your website. Like, oh my you, gosh, come on. you know, if you're, it's that same thing. If you're doing, yeah, come on. You can't yeah. do great at everything. It's like people talk on YouTube. If you're not getting some thumbs down, you're not really relevant. Uh, if, you know, then you're just pleasing everybody and then it's just fine. And, you know, um, I sometimes, I, I do take the high road. You do I, take the high road and you respond to every comments. comment. But you respond to every comment. I do, comment but I don't and... like, uh, the, the meanest I get these days or I go, I feel like you're taking your self-hate on me, <laughs> out on me. I don't think you love yourself very much. And you know, somebody reads that and goes, dude. I just wanted to say F you. You know, that would have been a lot easier to deal with. And, yeah. you know, and the thing is, well, that's their opinion. And they wrote that for some reason. And maybe they, they, they might be struggling and my life looks great. And, you know, yeah. it's just they're yeah. sitting around. And But with whether it's books or whatever, here's what I always think. A lot of people say they're going to write a book. Never write a book. You have. Um, and a lot of people that will comment badly on YouTube. You know, you can click on their name and go, they don't even, they don't put out any content. Now, not that that makes them any less, but I go, I put stuff out. I'm You're putting stuff out. Yeah, I'm putting right. it forward. That's right. That's right. And if you put yourself yeah. out there and you put yourself forward, you're going to get kicked. Yeah. You know, look at athletes, you know, uh, we are stars, you know, we can't wait for them to fail. But if you play it safe and hide and never do anything, well, then then, Nobody's ever going to be able yeah. to finger you or say something bad to you. So I always, that's my saving grace is going, put myself out there. I ask for it, yeah. but I have to focus on the people that leave nice comments or thank you for the video or good yeah. to see you or whatever. So it's kind of, that's Well, it was super sweet. fun last, a year ago being at your house when you were um, building your Pronto Pup Crown. 
And then seeing it, you know, seeing it. So uh, at the State Fair, any you got any teasers of what's coming for the this yes. be your 29th year this at the State Fair? Do you 20, have you started to think about your? Oh yeah, routine? I start immediately. Is that right? I don't know yet. You know, one is I've been a, I've always wanted to do this country singer, kind of come out over, you know, hymns are led better, and uh-huh. I actually come out and play a piece of music. But I don't really know yet. It's kind of in the beginning, or oh, or, I kind of like that. Kind of you with a Garth Brooks with a headset, you know, just a, a tucked in. People uh, are starting to see now <laughs> that I come out and do an opening act yeah, for myself. Yeah. But what I notice sometimes by doing that, even with Prince Pronto, like coming out this year at the Cape, I can see some people get up within twenty seconds and leave. But I go, well, they never seen me before. They're going, I don't want to watch this Renaissance thing. And I have to be willing to lose a couple of people yeah, yeah, that have never yeah. seen me in order to, when I look out there and see these faces that see I'm me like, year oh, after that, year, yeah. or in my eyes, I'm going, I, you know, maybe they like me, but I just feel like they're coming back going, he's got the face. I remember one you did years ago of an Italian, <laughs> you did an Italian guy. That was your opening bit or something. And- what right? Am I right? About I might have done. A, it might have been Brad Bufonte. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Oh my gosh! But it's I, all I, I want is you know memories. if I come out with this opening thing, I I see people kind of lean over and say something to each other, and here's what I think they're saying: He's still trying. He's still trying. Don't give and up. And you know, I often think I'm. Uh, you know, I'm at this age. I'm 61 now, and I am thinking about retiring hmm. my act. Uh, even YouTube, I, you know, with this quest of Zen, I kind of want some of my time to myself, even though it's, it's hard because it's a big part of your identity. I'm mulling it. I'm mulling Don't it. Don't rush into bit. it. Because even, even doing YouTube, uh, you know, I have people that write to me about they're, uh, they're going to kill themselves, suicidal tendencies and homelessness. And they come and comment to me on there. And I go, maybe by answering or connecting with people, you bring you put yourself out there and people want to share. I mean, I have several people that I thought they have killed themselves and I always go, don't do it. I mean, what can I do? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to get all wordy on them, but I go, that's, it always kind of makes me, I get a weird feeling in the pit of my stomach, like going, whoa, that's, um, they're feeling like they can tell me that it's it's a weird thing like being out i was i was camping one time and these people came in up on the superior hiking trail and went, hey dude you're that hammock guy aren't you could we do a selfie and we did a selfie and they saw my hillbilly pot my little imusa yeah, cook pot yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them said hey can we take it's a like picture a character with, with hillbilly they did they selfied with pot my is, pot i said awesome. you want me in it no 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 just us in the pot <laughs> and i'm going that's the power of you know like the written word or a visual medium like yeah you know People you know what it is? You know what it is? They see it. It's your it's your ministry. It is a this it is, is your, a ministry. No, this is your ministry. Kind of when you're reaching out to those people. I think it's awesome. I love it. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. Can it's, I get a can uh can we get a for the Reverend Hunter podcast? Can we get a Suge sign off? Oh okay, let me back the mic off a little bit. <laughs> well, Reverend Hunter, it's been wonderful here today talking to you about myself because uh, I am my favorite subject. <laughs> and uh, talking about spirituality and sitting here in this dark office uh, looking at fish hanging on the wall. And I don't know if that's Bill's art, but if. There's some pheasant feet, too. Yeah, pheasant feet and nice hats and feathers. And there's a, there's a bird feeder that no bird will ever go in unless there's a loose pileated woodpecker in here somewhere and we got lures and it's everything wildlife but i'll tell you what man it's all secure in sector seven Woo!